Welcome to another edition of the Built for the Storm podcast. Hosted by three-time World Series champion Jeremy Affelt. Affelt brings it. Chopper on the infield. Affelt to the bag himself. Get ready to experience life's winding journey through the minds of proven leaders in the worlds of sports, business, and entertainment. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affelt. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affelt. As they draw up your own personal playbook to overcoming the odds and achieving real success. We just don't give up. We don't quit. You know how we pieced everything together, man. Seeing teams win like this, the way we win. What's the best way to weather a storm? Run into it head on, charging full steam ahead. This is unbelievable, you know, game seven. I mean, this will be a memory for a long time for me. I'm so happy I got to come to the park today. Here's the fearless leader of our pack, Jeremy Affelt. All right, welcome. I'm at my brewery here in Bernie, Texas, called Free Roam Brewing Company, and I have an awesome guest. I've had actually a good little run here the last few days, so I've, I've been inundated with a lot of wisdom and a lot of... Uh, think i'm more mentally tired from all the podcasts i've been doing but i'm i'm really excited for our guests right now many of you if you've been a part of baseball since the 90s till now you've heard of them i played against them a little bit brandon puffer is on with me and he was a reliever 94 to would you say 2008 he was a bullpen guy like myself so uh we we understand that and just before we uh, went live here on the recording we were talking about having a conversation and Brandon, you even said it's just kind of like being in the bullpen. And I said, that's exactly what it's going to be like. So I want to tell your story. I want you to tell your story. Just so you all know, he has an unbelievable story. I thought he simply just retired. I didn't know anything else until uh, I was talking to Scott Linebrink. And uh, he, he kind of let me know about you, Brandon. And I was like, man, this is a perfect story to have on the podcast because it is a storm that most people are probably never expecting. Never yeah. probably ever want to go through in their life, I can tell you that. But you went through it, and you wrote a book, and it's called From the Bullpen to the State Pen. And it's exactly yeah. that. That's not a play on words. That's literally what happened. And, yes. uh, and, and when I found out you went to prison, and then reading your story and reading what has happened and, and just the dynamic of, like, that's just not who you are, but it is what has happened to you. You paid a price going through all of it, how you worked through it. I want to tell your story, and I, I actually want you to tell your story. I just want to listen for the most part. But, Brandon, welcome to Built for the Storm podcast, and I appreciate you having the ability and having the time, and thank your wife for allowing <laughs> you to have the time to come on on with me as well. Absolutely, Jerry, man. Jeremy, it's a pleasure to be here. I, um, I have early memories. I think the earliest memory of playing against you was you were in Wichita. I was in Round Rock maybe in 01, and yeah. so, you know, just rolling out the bullpens and then for years just following you man through omaha new orleans you know where i was and then just seeing you make a great career it was really cool man so super stoked for you man and great to reconnect and i'm excited to uh kind of get into this story and hope that we can encourage some folks yeah i was uh very intrigued by it let's get into it man like one of the things that so you were you ended up being a very rare thing towards the end of your career you were a World Series, right? You were part of a World Series with Red Sox. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, very, very brief stamp, but they included me in that, yes. But hey, man, part of it, most guys don't. Yeah. I mean, we are very fortunate if we've been in a part of it to do it, but a lot yeah. of guys don't. So you're able True. to do that. You had a good little career as a bullpen guy. 
stuff's going great. But at the end of your career, you did something that a lot of people don't really get to do. And you became a player coach, correct? Yeah. So I was, like I said, towards the end of my career, I kind of had uh so my plan was I wanted to be a lifer, man. I, I signed out of high school, went and did the, my 15 years. And I was thinking, man, I could just be a bullpen coach and kind of stay in this thing forever. I loved everything about it. Right. So that was my plan. And so Fast forward to 2007, I had got a little bit of time in the big leagues, mostly minor league stuff, but, you know, a little bit. And I was in my early 30s and it was kind of that Crash Davis, Bull Durham scenario. The Rangers yeah. called me up and said, hey, Puff, you know, we've got a gig. I think you could be good for it. You're basically going to go to Frisco and go to double A and, and be you're still pitching. You're still on the roster. You have, a, you have an opportunity. But let's be clear, you're there to mentor the other guys. And, and, you know, you know how we are. It's like, well, yeah, as long as I'm pitching, I still got another shot to make big leagues. And they're kind of like, yeah. well, not really. But this is a shot to stay around the game. So um, I did that. And I loved it, man. It was like Chris Davis and Elvis Andrews and Derek Holland and just a great group of young prospects with the Rangers. And so, yeah, I agreed, agreed to do it, enjoyed it. And they invited me to do it the next year, in 2008. So I signed back up for that and, and kind of the writing was on the wall. It's like, hey, we're, we're dwindling down here, but when you're ready to coach, uh, we've got you. We're kind of grooming you in that direction. So just yeah. a great uh, a great opportunity. Enjoyed it. It kind of was setting me up for what I thought my next move was. And then, you know, as I know, we're going to get there late in the year in 2008. I also wanted to pitch till I was 40 and I was only 30 something. And being a sidearm guy, I was willing to kind of bounce around anywhere and do it. Um, so I had all these plans, Jeremy, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, uh, and if you back up a little bit, my course was always just this overactive mind. I guess now I would call it anxiety, but I didn't know what to call it then. And yeah. just, I had this addiction in my background and my dad was a you know, recovering alcoholic and all these things. And I just kind of really battled that all the time off the field. As you know, when you get that downtime, how are you going to spend it? Um, how are you going to keep your mind occupied? And and all these good things. And I had a great family and I had faith in my life. But at the end of the day, that battle was always there for me. Um, in 2000, uh, excuse me, 1998, I, I gave my life to Christ. I uh, was sober for five years. It's when my career really elevated. And then I had a really hard time in my life, a storm, if you will. I, I, I got separated from my first wife. I was away from my family and I wasn't accountable like I was anymore. And uh, I was still trying to do the right things, but that little voice kind of came creeping back in the voice of, uh, you know, why don't you just kind of kind of get back into your old lifestyle? You know, you're, you have downtime. You're not really accountable. You're five years older than you were when you got sober. You're more mature. And all these compromises started arising. And uh, sure enough, in 2004, spring training with San Diego Padres there in uh, Peoria, I, uh, I, I let that that foothold back in my life, had a few beers. Hey. You can handle this. Nothing happened. Started going out with the guys again. And then I hit that downhill, kind of that slippery slope really fast. And so I would battle, battle, battle from 04 to 08, trying to do the right thing, man. Put myself around guys like you and still was a chapel leader on the teams and like just seek out those dudes on the team. But then I started to isolate and I started to be ashamed of my choices. And in that player coach's role, you feel like guys look up to you. You don't want to let them down. So long story short, man, I was I was getting set up for this this huge fall from grace that I, I didn't see coming. And, and now it's it's a story to tell to try to help others avoid going down that path. So was the drinking that you went back to, you said you kind of fell off it a little bit and it was the yeah. storm. Did you lose the marriage in that time? So at that point in time, 
we weren't. I'm, I'm not married. I'm, I'm married to somebody else now. But at that point yeah. in time, it was yep. really kind of a toxic relationship to begin with. Yep. Gotcha. And there were some things going on, you know, some verbal abuse and things going on towards my son that I just didn't didn't sit well. And so I finally kind of took a stand on it. And at that point, I just didn't act well in my circumstances. Rather than yeah. leaning into God and surrounding myself with great people, I just started isolating and kind of letting that nightlife back in. I completely yeah. shut the door on that because I'm an all or nothing guy. So it's like, that's not an option for me. And then yeah. when I, once I let it become an option again, it, it took over pretty fast. I always talk about permission with different mm -hmm. scenarios. And I've talked to guys, you know, on the teams and, and I talked to my sons about it and it was always a permission thing. There's a situation when you go through tough times, give yourself permission to do something that is not going to help you, you will do it. Yeah. The second yeah. you say, I give myself permission to go out or I'm giving myself permission to drink or do drugs or, or just do something rebellious, you're going to do it. You're never going to resist the permission once you give it to yourself. And I've talked to, you know, guys with, when they were dealing with pornography and stuff in the game and it was like, yeah. well, every guy that when they deal with it, if they give themselves permission to do it, are going to do it. They're never going to resist it. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting how you said when you, you isolated, when you isolate, it's really tough to let other people in and to help encourage you to not give yourself permission to do those things. And I went through a divorce myself. I lost a 22 year marriage a few years ago. And, and I'm an, I'm a big family guy. Like I yeah. absolutely am all about family. And absolutely. so it was just a really scary time for me. And it was something where wow. I got super scared because I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I'm a loyal person. I was loyal my whole marriage, like everything. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it looks like it's not going to end well. And I remember telling my sons, it's like, I have to give myself permission not to make any stupid rash decisions or you will make them, period. It yes. will happen. And I had to surround myself with some people and I started to isolate. Thankfully, I had some people around me that didn't let me. But uh, yes. I think I would have probably made some possible errors if I if I choose to isolate. I called the right yeah. guys that I played the game with and they flew out, hung out with me. But baseball when you're active it's pretty easy to isolate i was retired so it was a yeah, lot yeah. easier for me i feel like to go out and get people to keep me from isolating baseball is such a it's honestly a shame-based situation anyway through failure but it's easy to isolate and to, to isolate through like i'm tough enough for this or I, I, nothing bothers me and you don't let people in and you start going down that road so you went down that road and then what happened yeah, no, that's, first off, that's a great way to put it, the permission, Jeremy. I never thought of it that way, but that's exactly what I did. I, I When I gave my life to the Lord and I, I knew I didn't handle alcohol well, I said that no more. This is not an option. The guys just knew. Like, I don't yeah. do it. You can ask all you want. I'm not doing it. But yep. as soon as I go, you know what, maybe, you're right. The floodgates open. So gave myself yeah. permission. Um, so fast forwarding back to 08, right? I'm, I'm, and you can probably relate to this better than most. Uh, big routine guy, you know, just yep. get the same food, show up to the yard, do your thing, do your routine, yeah. and yada, yada, man. So um, doing that, I'm doing it all year with these guys, and the young guys are kind of on me, right? They're like, hey, Puff, you know what? We heard you used to have some fun. We'd love to see you come out with us. And I said, no, guys, can't do it. Thanks for asking. But I would go out and make some choices on my own. And, I, and my big mentality, Jeremy, was, to your point, I'm tough enough to handle this. This is my job. We've been kind of groomed to just, you know, block everything out and go do our job type deal. So I'm not going to let these guys down. I'm not going to be soft. I'm not going to be emotional and say, hey, I'm struggling, you know, which is not soft at all. But that was my mentality at the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. So because of that, to your point, I, I started isolating. I started making these choices, and this whole thing was didn't feel good about it. You know, when you're when you're living a double standard, double life, you're going to the yard, and you're the FCA guy, and then you're going out, you know, on your own because you don't want to let the guys down. I mean, it's a bad place to be, man. And so that's all going on. Uh, meanwhile, I had reconciled with my wife at the time, so I was trying. I'm like you, man. Family's everything. But my yeah. actions weren't lining up because I was letting all those other things. It was just a battle, man. I just felt like I was going. 12 rounds with Tyson in my head every day. Right. Yeah. And it never yeah. ended until I did something, you know, like that. So fast forward, man, September 13th, it's a Friday. We're uh, in the championship series in the Texas league and I'm just driving into the park and I just go, you know what? I'm going to go out with the guys, man. The season's over in a week. I'm back home. And these guys had said this, this term to me, and I always repeat it because I know guys have been there They're like, Puff, it's one night. Who cares? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I go guys one night. I mean, it's it's not good. I can ruin my life in one night. And yeah. I proved it that night. I went out September 13th. I won't glorify everything we did, but you as well as anyone know, we just went out, started in the clubhouse, went yeah. out to a few places, and um, my motor would not turn off. I just have always been that way. I have no off switch, and I was going and going, and this was my night to compromise, and let's just keep going, right? And uh, the clubhouse manager, uh, Brandon Boyd, who's now at the Rangers Clubby, and then... Um, Terry Clark was our pitching coach. They had seen me out that night. They're like, first it was like, oh, how fun. Puffs out with the young guys. And then they're like, yeah. oh, no, no, this is, this is not the guy we know, right? So um, they took me home to their apartment. Obviously, I was in no position to drive. And uh, at that apartment, the year before, I'd stay there with my family. And there was this lady that always had people over. I mean, really sweet. She had a daughter. I mean, we've watched her daughter several times. Just an acquaintance. We didn't really know her. But she had always said, hey, come up, I'm having a party. And we always, no, we're good. And something in my mind that night just kept telling these guys, I have a friend that lives in here. I was here last year. I'm going to find out she's having a party. And they're like, Puff, go to bed. You should not have a party. It's 2, 3 in the morning. And I yeah. did. I went over there, Jeremy. I knocked on that door. Nobody answered. Uh, this is the most embarrassing thing in the world to share, but it's important. Um, my intent was not to do anything harmful, but my intent wasn't good either, if that makes sense. I was yeah. at 2.30 in the morning showing up at a single lady's house. That's not a good decision for a family guy. Uh, but yeah. obviously, my, my thought wasn't, let me go do whatever. So I, the, the door is unlocked. I walk in. I tried to get in bed with her. And every time I say that, I, like, I have to like spit it out of my mouth. It's just, ugh. And yeah. living that lifestyle, uh, being around the guys, going out, making those choices, you know, things are kind of at your disposal, I guess, when you play ball, as you know. Uh, and it's just like something in my mind thought, sure, she'd, she'd yeah. love to see me at this time. Yeah, Idiotic move, right? I mean, yeah. just even yeah. saying it's like, whatever. So <clears throat> she screams, which is the worst part about this whole thing. It didn't just affect me. I affected her safety. Right. I ran out, jumped down 19 stairs is what I'm told. I, a lot of this I had to be told. I don't remember a lot of it, but it's 100% responsible for it. And what had happened was since I went in that apartment, well, first off, I woke up the next day in jail. I was in an orange jumpsuit. Gotcha. Uh, the clubhouse manager had bailed me out. I said, Brent Boyder, what happened, dude? What, what in the world happened? He's like, man, you called me. I thought you were kidding. But I came down just in case, and here you were. And I got arrested, Jeremy, for burglary of a habitation. I walked in uninvited with the intent yep. to commit sexual assault, which is just about the worst thing you can think of, man. I have four daughters, and I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just, man, you know. So anyway, just super harmful. And just another lesson of like, your choices, your decisions just don't just affect you. It affected her and her family, me and my family. And on that note, I, I he bailed me out. I went and pitched the next day. We finished up the series. Um, we talked about this, I think, off camera. I felt like 
oh, this is a knucklehead decision, but you know, it'll just go away. It's not that big of a yeah. deal. I didn't mean any harm, you know, and that's just not the case. Um, the district attorney picked it up and said, absolutely. We're going to make a big deal of this, which it is a big deal. An athlete in our town walking into this. No, it's not happening. Sure. So, um, man, I, I had nine months out on bail. I know I'm kind of jumping around. So if, you, no, you're fine. if it's not making sense, let me know. I had nine months out on bail to kind of go, okay, what in the heck? Now, this is serious and I need to figure it out. So teams were calling and I'm like, guys, I can't even think about baseball right now. Like I got to figure out my yeah. life and what's going right. to happen. I didn't look at too many headlines because I didn't want to know, but I pulled it up one time and it said, um, Houston Astros reliever, former reliever facing five to 99 years in prison. And it just gut punch, man. I'm like, yeah. what? Wait, what? And so I ended yeah. up going to a jury trial. I got five years. That was my sentence. Um, they came immediately. I mean, the trial in itself, Jeremy, we could, I mean, it's a story in itself, man. This, how surreal it was yeah. to be sitting in there with these people, the state of Texas versus men. I was just, couldn't believe it, man. I really couldn't. Because yeah. um, you're actually being hit. told you're a, you're a potential, like, well, you're being told you're a criminal and they're going to try to prove oh, yeah. you're a criminal and oh, yeah. they're going to try to put you away like a criminal. Absolutely. And I mean, I had some awesome character witnesses, man. Nolan Ryan was that came to my trial. That's what I read. Jackie Moore, who was my manager. I mean, guys were just going, look, this was a bad choice. This is not a bad guy. And I was so thankful for that. But at the end of the day, a jury of 12 peers were like, he needs to go do some time. And you know what? At the end of the day, I always get asked, like, would you change anything? And only thing I'd change is not doing harm or scaring anybody, but I just needed that time, man. I just, I, I was always consumed with my career and my stuff. And, and I just, I finally, for the first time, I was like setting time out for lack of a better word, uh, a rather long one. But the second they took me out, they said five years in prison, put me in cuffs. I said, Hey, can I say bye to my dad? They said, Nope. I walked out got put in a holding cell. They stripped me of all my belongings. And that, that gate, that those bars clanked. I don't know if clank's a word, but I heard that clink. And yeah. I was like, man, wow, this is real. Yeah. Like, this is as real as it gets. And I, I surrendered. You know, I had always been a Christian. I always had faith, but I surrendered and said, God, to this point, my prayer has been like, keep me out of jail. Just keep me out of prison. I don't belong there. My prayer shifted to, but this is where I got me with my choices. And anything you have me do from here forward, I'm in, like, whatever it is, like starting now, not get me out, but I'm starting now. And so, man, Jeremy, I always tell people, I felt like I had a God-shaped hole in my heart. Yeah. And I was just trying to fill it with everything, man. You know, performance, yeah. baseball, women, being a tough guy, whatever. And yeah. uh, nothing filled it. No peace and no joy. Like I said, pitching, being a part of a little world series, whatever it was, I never got that peace and joy. But all of a sudden, I had it. And I walked through that three and a half years, man. I mean, I saw stuff you wouldn't want to see. I went through things you wouldn't want to go through. Certainly not, a, like you said, you don't recommend this on your worst enemy yeah, or yeah. Uh, or wish this on your worst enemy. But yeah, man, I had peace and joy that you couldn't take from me. And so I, I go through it, go through three and a half years. I get out, start over with nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing, man. Like anything I had made, which wasn't a lot. I was always up and down guy. But anything I made was spent towards trying to get out of prison or yeah. my responsibilities while I was there for those few years. And so, man, I came out with an onion sack, uh, some humility that I needed and yeah. just said, all right, here we go. And so the, the, the cool part is the redemption and just kind of all God's done in my life since then. But yeah, that's how it all went down. And it was, uh, man, talk about a, a storm brought on by my own choices, but a storm nonetheless. Yeah. But was there a time 
because you know everybody's like no and i'm and when you see you know guys like nolan ryan they don't vouch for anybody it's not like they 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 make their living now being a name and going into a courthouse and in a courtroom and vouching there was there a sense of um i know you you knew you made a mistake you were owning it but is there a sense of like why you're making a case here, but the woman was, I know she was emotionally harmed, which can be a lot of times way worse than physically Absolutely. not trying to take away the physical harm, but no, it's like, man, nothing happened. Like I made a mistake, but it, she screamed. I ran out. Why am I getting five years for this? Like what? Cause I even talked to a DA here in, in uh, San Antonio and I was having lunch with him and I was just kind of telling your story a little bit. He's like, man, I'd like to hear a little bit more on that because that seems pretty extreme, you know, like, was there a plea deal? Was there anything going on? Like, how, how does that even, he was, and he's a DA, right? So he's like, I, yeah, I, I'm a little bit more intrigued on how that all went down yeah. for that situation. Like, was there any of that? Like, did you try or is it like, no, nah, I need to own, I'm, I'm just going to pay the price. Like, it's just mind boggling how that unraveled that much. Yes. Because to be honest with you, I've heard guys, we've all had them and we can't yeah. really say anything, but there are certain, certain yeah. guys that I've been teammates of that, Stuff went away really quick that they did way worse than that. And they didn't get uh, yeah. nothing for that. So like I know. You're... Yeah, man, that's a really good question, Jeremy. And to be honest, yes, that stuff would go through my mind. But it's almost like like our career where you can't control the things out of your control. So yes, I tried. I mean, I hired a really good attorney and spent sure. a bunch of money and did all the things you're supposed to do. His big thing to me was, hey. Unless you can tell me you had a reason to be there, right? You were having an affair. You just don't want to be in trouble. You were invited, you know, all these things. And then it goes away, man. It's done. And I'm like, well, that's just not the truth, man. She didn't invite me at all. And he just said, look, with this wide range, five to 99 years, if you go in there and try to kind of fight it in any way, then there might be one person on that jury that's going to go, he's not owning this. He doesn't think this is a big deal. And we're going to teach him a lesson. And so I just said, okay. I said, well. I still don't get it. And, and here's the hardest part, Jeremy, is I actually still have to register on a. On really? A, yes. And it's awful. And they told me beforehand, they said, as soon as you plead guilty, that's one of the ramifications. But I kept getting advice. And when the guy said to this charge, how do you plead? I paused. And they said, you need a minute. I said, I do. And I said, man, it's just this intent word. I just can't get over it. Like my intentions weren't good, but they weren't criminal. They weren't. You yeah, know, yeah, and I just, yeah, and he's yeah. like, okay. He said, well, like I said before, we can fight it, but any one of them could just be like, hey, here's 50, you know, whatever. And you do those numbers. Yeah. yeah sure, I mean, I, sure. so I just, I just took the advice I was given and, and I just played guilty and put together the best we could. Uh, probation was an option, but they decided after all, like, hey, we'll give the minimum. Actually, a kind of a sidebar story was one of the jurors wrote me when I was in county jail, wrote me. Really? And apologized and said, I really don't believe you should be in prison at all. I fought tooth and nail for you to never go to prison, a female juror. And there was a couple guys in there that wanted to give you like 25 years. And I just fought and fought and fought till the end. And eventually it was like, I think it was like 4th of July weekend. And they were like, look, we're not going to go home again and come back. Like we're getting this yeah. done today. I mean, at the end of the day, they have lives. They don't want to be there. Right. And yeah. she said, well, I'm not doing it. And he said, okay, then we'll hang the jury and he'll have to go through this all over again. She said, fine, we'll do the minimum. And she she, she wrote me in and said, I'm so sorry. I don't think you should be there. And so once I got past all that, and then now things will happen, Jeremy, in the media or whatever. And I'll go, whoa, they didn't get anything for that? Like, yeah, yeah. I got what I kids got. Sure, and, sure. Wait, what? And I went and spent four years 
But at yeah. the end of the day, I was like, man, mentally, I just couldn't go there. I, I mean, it would they would pop in, but like baseball, it's like, okay, I got my self talk, stay focused on what's going on here. I'm just going to do this because I can't control that. And um, I think it helped me get through it rather than, you know, there are guys in there always going, oh, I shouldn't have got this or I shouldn't be here. And it's like, hey, man, I did what I did. I'm, I'm moving forward. Let's go. You know, so, um, but yes, it happened. But that's a good point uh, for people, you know, when you're, when you're doing stuff, you know, a lot of times people stay in their other, in their emotional prison. You obviously stayed in a physical prison, but uh, the emotional prison is you play the victim. Why me? Yeah. This shouldn't be happening. They focus, and we talk about this all the time on this podcast sometimes. I, I, I raise my boys under it. It's like you're focusing on the uncontrollable more than the controllable. Which one is it going to be? And you, yeah. it's perfect from the baseball aspect. You said, no, no. The uncontrollable is the fact that I'm in this prison. I can say I shouldn't be here all I want. I can say I didn't mean to all I want, but I'm here. So yeah. how do I handle it now? And of not allowing yourself to go there probably allowed you to probably get through this process in a more healthy way than others do and probably yeah. keeps you from being jaded, bitter, frustrated, angry, which would probably not allow you to be the husband that you are, are and trying to continue to be to your wife, not going to yeah. allow you to be who you're trying to be to your uh, father, to your daughters, because you would never be healthy because of the anger or the frustration that you're holding on to by focusing on an uncontrollable rather than just say, I own it. I did it. Made a mistake. It wasn't my intent. It really wasn't, but I still did it. Therefore now I pay the price for it. Did that help you get through? Because when you're going through a storm, you're owning that situation to push through it. That help you get through your nights. I mean, I know you talked about you were with in a cell with a, with a guy that did some really bad stuff and you had to be in a cellmate with him. And then, you got to be able to get through it and not make more mistakes while you're in there that could cost you even more time. And a lot of those yes. mistakes probably come from guys being just pissed off and angry that they're in there. I'm assuming. Absolutely, man. You're 100% right. It's a very toxic environment. Um, you have to be very focused on your why of getting through every day. And for me, it's getting home to my family as soon as possible. And, and you're right. I mean, um, you know, an infraction, a fight, a, whatever the case may be, can set you back on your parole. And it's like, oh, hey, man, I had a chance to mentor some guys in there at times, and they would be making some knucklehead decisions. And, boy, you can't just let people run all over you and all this. I said, man, nothing matters but your, but your son. Nothing matters but your daughter. None of that matters. Yeah. None of that. They can have this. This doesn't matter. Like, you've got yeah. to get home to your, chill, your, your family. And so that was my focus, man. I got up every uh-huh. day, and I was like, God, just show me how I can be a light in this place. Get me through the day. And I would read and I'd go to classes and I'd try to encourage people. I'd train people in the rec yard. I'd do whatever I could to just try to make that really crappy environment a little more positive. And sometimes now I'm at a point where I'll get, you know, guys will get out and they'll see, they'll see me on something and, and send a message. And I'll get, God will give me a little glimpse of like, hey, man, you did. You made a little bit of an impact in there rather than yeah. to your point. And there were days, man, where you're just like, screw this. I'm ready to go off. Like, let's go. I want to show someone yeah. what I got. And yeah. uh, it was like, no, we're not going yeah. So Because you yeah, mentioned that, you're even right. like. That's what kept me focused. Yeah, because you mentioned even like the basketball in there, like a pickup game oh, in yeah. there is not a normal pickup game. You get reminded where you're at all the time. They're probably not going to play fair in a prison 
Like they're there because they didn't play fair. So they're not going to play fair now, you know, pick up, yeah. you know? Yeah. So like yeah. it's constantly reminding yourself to have a lot of self-control, man. And you have yeah. to probably have that focus of this is about getting to my back to my kids. This is about getting back to my life. This is about, I'm going to play the straight and narrow, even in prison where most of these guys aren't, but I've got to do yeah. it because this isn't who I am. My identity is not, I'm a prisoner in the state pen. My identity is I'm Brandon Puffer. I'm a child of God. Th yeah. Regardless of what I'm in here for, I was not acting out of my identity as a child of God. That's why I'm in here. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm not. And I have to be willing to understand that kind of redemption. And I can only imagine that. I, that'd be the only way I'd be able to get through that. Yeah. I, I'd be. No, you're spot on, man. And I was, I was the first guy when we played to go, man, you did my guy wrong. I'm going to get retaliation. And I'll be the first one out of the bullpen. You know, all those things. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see that in there and you're like, want to be like, man, that's not right. That's I'm going to, I'm going to do something about it. That's not right. But you're like, no, it's different now. The, the, the ramifications are different. And it's not just reminding yourself who you are because of the environment and the way the inmates are behaving. And it's, it's the, it's the guards, man. It's the people coming from the outside that are treating you like an absolute dog. And, you know, yeah. we got put on a pedestal a little bit and I, I know you, you're very humble. I'm sure you treated everybody great. And, and I, I never, hopefully never acted like, yeah, I'm something special because I'm a yeah. baseball player. And I didn't do that in there either. But to be talked down to, not by your name, either, hey, inmate or your number or whatever it is. And I mean, sometimes just straight out, like just sit down and shut your face. You're like, oh, man, yeah, and you wouldn't talk to me like that. We're here, but it's like, yes, sir. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you sir. can't do anything about it. That's where you're at no. in life, you know, in that situation. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting scenario. Who did you have, though? Like you said, you isolated. Well, now there's no greater isolation than prison. That's pretty much what you are, is isolated. Yeah. But yeah. you have to survive, right? And yeah. and you've got to survive in that environment. How did you deal with, and was it just straight, God, I'm trusting you to keep me alive? Because how do you get past the, for me, like it would almost be like, man, I, I just assume it. You got to survive in there. So I got yeah. to be tough enough to survive. Did you go that angle or how, how do you get past that of just that, man, I, I want to be a good person because that's who I am. But I also, yeah. are you, were you afraid you're going to get walked all over? Were you bullied? Was there tests that you had to get through to earn the respect? Because I always think of like, you think about the Bible and in the prison and it was like, you go to like Joseph, right? Where you get thrown a prison, but you earn the respect of everybody in there. Like, yes. you, you know, and, and you were sitting there. You always earn the respect and no matter where you were, you were able to use wisdom and you were depend on God to like, yeah, but I'm going to earn the respect of the guards. I'm going to respect of the inmates just because of yes. who I am as an influence. What, what, was there a battle in that? Yes, 100%, Jeremy, 100%. And when I was in county jail getting ready to what they call catch chain to prison, it's about a month process and you don't know when you're going. So there's guys in there that have been there before to prison and they're trying to tell you like, Hey, here's what it's going to be like. And every one of them was going, Hey, you've got to join a gang. You've got to stick with your race. You've got to do this, this, this. Uh, and I told everyone at that point, I said, I'm not doing that. And they're like, well, then you're going to fight every gay, every race, every gang. So well, then I'll do that. I don't know. And so, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not joining, I'm not doing it, man. Like I'm not doing it. And so a couple things, one, I went down and I, they would tell me every time you go to a new pod is what they call it or a dorm, whatever it is, a cell, whatever, wherever you go, you're going to be tested. So to your point, testing. Okay. So I would walk in and I'm not proud to say this, but it was my only time I was kind of part of the thing. 
I would take my shirt off. I would sit on the edge of the bunk, like, okay, if it's going to happen, come on. And it just never happened. And it wasn't me. Trust me, Jerry. I wasn't in there going, I'm a big, tough guy. I want to fight you at all. It was just a respectful, like, hey, I'll do what I got to do, but I respect you guys. And I think after a while, uh, and another thing is I'm a bigger guy. Like, I'm a lot bigger than when I pitched. I'm like 6'3", 260. And so they kind of prey on the weak. doesn't mean they couldn't have, by sheer numbers, just, you know, beat me up. They could have. But I just being respectful and then letting them know, like, hey, I'm here with you, man. Like, I'm no better than you. Uh, I'm no worse than you. I'm right here with you. I respect every one of you guys. Um, And then just wisdom, too, of of discernment of, hey, sometimes just kind of stay in your lane over here and don't be too open and vulnerable. But, like, there's some guys you could open up to. So it got to the point where I'd spend a lot of time on my bunk. I'd read. I'd try to do things to better myself. And, you know, guys would stop by the bunk and they would sit down and go, hey, man, what you reading here? Hey, what you got? And sometimes guys would end up finding out that I played and, you know, through whatever. And they would be curious. I didn't know if that would be a detriment. Like, oh, who do you think you are? Yeah. It doesn't matter in here. Uh, you know, man, honestly, this is kind of like a little bit funny. I'm joking, but half serious. All they do in there is bet on sports, man. That's it. Uh-huh. And like yeah. baseball playoffs would roll around and dudes are pissed because it. And I said, man, I wasn't a very good reliever in the big leagues. Like, I, these guys might be mad at me for, you know, yeah. messing yeah, up their yeah. line or their games or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, man, I think a little bit of like just humility respect goes yeah. a long way you know there's different things in there that you do to show respect that i just okay that's how we do it here that's how we'll do it so brother i, I was really blessed like man i didn't I, I have another buddy named damon west that went through it he actually has an awesome story and his book's insane man he's a little guy and, and he was a he was a quarterback and all that it's anyway same thing made a bad choice ended up getting some time and he was in a tough spot he had to go through all those tests and i was like oh, man, man thank you god again that i never had to had to go through all that. And so, um, you know, saw some stuff like it, had to hit the deck on some race wars and kind of like, you know, that kind of thing, looking around yeah. like, this is really, this is real life. What is going on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at the yeah, end of the yeah. day, in terms of like, just really like fearing for my life, uh, thank God I didn't, man. He was there with me every step of the way. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I was in San Quentin two or three years ago and I went because I was like, I'm intrigued by it because it wasn't like, you know, you go to these, PAO conferences or whatever and you know it's like hey let's go into the prisons and give them the tracks and all that stuff and you're like all right and you're like I feel fine in there in this situation well I I, you know I went in with the Giants on a deal where like hey they want to know if you'd be willing to do it and I'm like yeah check it out so I walk in and I walk in to to go hang out with the baseball team in there the San Quentin team yeah and I'm like they have a baseball team like yeah they're actually pretty good one of the kids in there is actually getting scouted. I'm like, no wow. way. They're like, yeah. They, they, he's like, he's like, he's a 22 year old kid, stud, made a mistake. He's in here, but he's yeah. really good. And I'm like, yeah. what? So I just walk in, and it's not. I didn't go into the prison. I went right out to the the yard out there, and yeah. they're all divided up. And there's weights. There's basketball. There's, if I'm in prison, I got nothing to do to work out. So I'm gonna get really big. <laughs> uh, do push ups. Yeah. I, I read your thing in there. Like you just do push ups and it makes sense, right? Like I got yeah. nothing else to do. And yeah. so they've got some strong fools in there, man. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh my gosh. And so I walk out to this baseball field and they're all out there and they're playing baseball. And these guys are leading, they're talking, they're hanging out. And I'm like, and I just got a different perspective of it. And you can see where it's like, man 
these some of these guys are they are humble like that. They're like, I did make a mistake, but I don't have to act like that here, you know. And Absolutely. and and the guards were saying, man, they figure it out real quick. If you act a certain way, they you go through the test. And the one of the guards was telling me, we put all these guys through the test, and once they do, you figure out, hey man, I'm gonna look after you a little bit, man. Like you're a good guy. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna. And so you start earning the respect. And I remember pitching, throwing these guys, and I I hit this kid this point through i hit him in the ribs and my back of my head i was like i literally was looking around like i don't know who, who all is gonna help me out here if he yeah. decides to be mad but he kind of yeah. just laughed and shook it off and i would throw i must have thrown a hundred some pitches and i'm arm i can pick my arm the next day because i just kept, awesome. they wanted me to kept throwing and messing with them but then afterwards they got in this circle and we all got in this huge circle and they all sat down in the shortstop uh who was a uh uh just one of the leaders out there and yeah. he started talking and he started talking to the guys. And then one of the guys out there was like the Bible study leaders of the crew. Yeah. And they were all out there. These guys started crying. Then they told mm. me stories of what they did. They said, I'll tell you what I did. And they were crying. I'm like, man, these guys are just, yeah. they're hump. They, they, they're not all this ferocious, scary, like these guys in, in the shortstop yeah. actually came up to me and he's like, Hey man, here's what I did. I was not supposed to drink like you. I was yeah. not supposed to do it. I went out with my buddies and it was my godson's dad. Like I went out with him and I was sober and I'm not, I'm absolutely not supposed to have one drug. And I did, I had a, a little bit of alcohol and next thing I know, I don't know what happened. My godson's, I just was at his baseball game, watched my godson play, went with my buddy to a, a, a little neighborhood party deal. I punched him we got into it. i punched him he hit his head on the curb dead i'm oh. in prison for it he's like i had no he goes i am not wanting to be in oh. prison i've got no reason he goes i just i got in i, I killed my godson's dad like it's one of my best friends man. and he's like i'm in here i've been here for 10 years and he's getting out and he said i got a story and they did a whole story on him they did a wow uh they came in and because he's a base he loves baseball and he plays and he did the story and he was he has a wife and kids and they came and saw him and they stayed with him and it was just an wow. incredible story but what it did is it, it let me have a i was so i actually told the giants and then COVID hit so we all got we all they they still think they have COVID over there sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> you know, they got COVID hit. And so we know no one can go in anymore, but I was like, I want to go back because I yeah. really valued the vulnerability of those guys and yeah. just willing to just see it from a different perspective of guys that are oh, literally wow. behind these big cement walls have mm -hmm. nowhere to go. You got the crazy guy up there in the tower that killed his pregnant wife you know yeah. in california uh a few years ago that trying to be super famous or giving they're wanting to do tv deals with the guy they won't let him move and then you have these guys down here that's just like hey yeah. man i just simply made a mistake you know and so this is why this story is so intriguing like is this how it all works like there's so many guys in there that people yeah. sometimes think well prisons are for prisoners who are just criminals yeah. Yes, but there's also guys in there that just simply messed up at the wrong time. Any of us can do it. Any of us can mess up. And and this yes. story is not is we're one bad decision of all having that story a part of our lives. And there's That's good it, people bro. in there and and trying to get through it. Now that so you're in there. Are you leading? Are you were you able to do? You know, come by and guys want to talk about books, but 
did they know you were a believer? Did they have that understanding of you in there or how, how does that work? Yeah, they did. I think they figured out pretty quick just by like, you know, being positive and guys would say like, man, how could you be used to what you were used to out there and, and actually live like this and, and have that attitude. And it's like, man, 100% just cause got, got in me. That's it. Like Christ in me is the only way. And so, man, I had some cool opportunities. Wow. Um, one, I think I shared in the book where a young man, I had actually gone to a, uh, an outside group had come in. I went to the, the um, service and they gave us notes. Kind of like you said, going in there to give tracks. And I put it on the table in front of me that was uh, usually attended, well, was always attended by this, you know, this white gang. And one of the guys came back to where I was sitting, kind of a more like neutral table where just a couple guys sat. And because everyone has their little areas in there. And he was yeah. like, hey, literally, this is what he said. We're still buddies to this day. He lives down by you. Actually, he's in uh, New Braunfels. And he goes, hey, uh, did you put this crap on our table? <laughs> I go, <laughs> yeah, I did. He's like, well, I don't even believe in this crap. And I go, okay, man, no worries. You can just sit down right here. It's all good. Yeah. Slowly but surely, man, me and that guy started talking. He was intrigued. And that, by the really? way, this is one example of what you just mentioned. This kid was an insane artist. Like, dude, Yikes. the stuff he could do, I was like, I mean, from artists to athletes to just guys, the ingenuity and the way they figure out how to do things in there. You're like, man, if you took all this and applied it in yeah. life, right? But it was that one mistake. And it was 99% of the time, it's drugs or alcohol, man. They're not yeah. in the right mind and it happened. You just shared that yeah. story, just another example. Yeah. And so anyway, man, that long story short that, you know, there was another group coming in, a revival uh, group coming in like a month and they had a poster up. And every time we go to Chow Hall or anything, I'd be like, they call him Superman. was his nickname. Superman, me and you going to be at that. We're going to be at Bill Glass's uh, deal. He's like, yeah, right. And I go, oh, we'll be there. And yeah. He, yeah, right. And so the day comes. Man, that dude, they said, turn out for Bill Glass. And he grabbed a chair and started coming with me. I said, wait, you're coming? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm coming. All right. Gave his life to the Lord, man. And I mean, uh, a month later, he's like, dude, don't set this paper on. We're, we don't mess. We don't do this, you know? And yeah. so just watching him turn his life around and be able to be positive. But to kind of reiterate what you said, yeah. man, I was in your camp. But before I went there, I didn't know anything about it. I never, I didn't have family members. I said, man, it's just bad people. That's where they belong. Had no heart for it. I'd go back every day right now if they asked me to go back and share because just like you, I was like, wait a minute, man, there's some good men in here, yeah. gifted, talented, yeah. intelligent. They love their family and they're, yeah. they're just in here because they made a mistake. And a lot of them I met aren't getting out. It's like, man, they don't get that second chance. So right. I'm like you, man. And, and by the way, guys like you going in, I promise you that meant the world to a man. Like when you can kind of feel like you're not in there for a little bit and have yeah. a guy like you come play ball with them, dude, that's everything. Yeah, they did. You could see they disappeared for a moment yeah. on that baseball field, man. They had a great time and yeah. just seeing them laugh. And I was thinking mm -hmm. the whole time I was like, man, when I had to sign that piece of paper that said, hey, if something goes down out here, we can't come get you. I was like, yeah. well, Sweet. here we go. You know, I'm going to yeah. walk through those gates. But then you're like nothing's gonna go i mean maybe some will go down but it ain't like i'm not i was like these guys have had a moment and i think it was like an hour and a half or two hours that they just got to disappear and be like yes for this moment in time we're just having fun and i'm not a yes. prisoner i'm not you know, i'm just playing baseball on a baseball field and being oh. a kid and and just running around man the joy it was so fun to see those guys and what i really appreciated there yeah. was no race situation. They were all yes. hanging out. There was That's there awesome. was no, well, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Mexican. No, 
everybody's hanging out, everybody's together, and they're laughing, enjoying. Even if they rib each other, they're not getting offended. Yeah. It's just fun. And I was, I really was so blessed by just being able to sit there for that moment and be like, yeah. you understand that they found pure joy in it. I like, I don't relate necessarily, but I also can understand where you were like, man, if you had the right thought process, the right mentality, the right yeah. focus on what life was about, is about not the uncontrollable, just the controllable in the moment, yeah. you could hold down to that joy, but you can tell where the guys that not or do not have the ability to do it and they yeah. focus on the uncontrollables or the bitterness that they have in their life they just stay in they just stay in they never get through the storm they keep yeah. running from the storm i say that i say that i say when you run through a storm you focus on the controllable when you stay in a storm it's usually because the uncontrollable has you running away from it and it's just following and you can't yeah. get away from it, you know? And, and the very and, mentality that got you there is the mentality you're holding on to. And it's like, clearly something needs to change. Not one of us wants to be here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Obviously what you're doing isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. Let's try yeah. something new. And a side yeah. note on what you shared about those guys sharing their stories and being vulnerable and crying, all those things, man, it's amazing. Cause I can tell you as soon as they went back to that bunk or wherever it is, they had to they had to wipe away those tears and put on the tough guy act because you can't show that kind of vulnerability. So the fact that they felt so yeah. comfortable around you guys, it's just amazing, man. Like they truly felt like they were free for a little while. Yeah, that's what they said to me. They said, Hey man, we do it out here. As soon as we get across that line, suck it up. Like we're it. gotta go yeah. back in there. Like that they, that's exactly what they said, man. That they they just they can't be like that in you know, that's you what they would can't. say. Because they, they will sniff that out like sharks in the water. You know, like sharks sniffing blood in the water. You just can't yeah. be vulnerable, man. It, it stinks, but you can't. Like, I'd get on the phone with my, my family. and You get a 15-minute call every now and then. And, you know, I wanted to lose it. But I was like, and they stay to this day. They're like, wait a minute. You didn't tell us any of that. And I'm like, well, I just wanted you to know I was okay. Like, I don't want you to yeah. know what, what I'm going back to. And then as soon as you hang that phone up, it's like, click. All right, suck it up. Turn around. Here you go. You're back in there. You know. Um, yeah. So it's tough, man. That that part of it's certainly tough. Yeah, I could see that baseball mentality had to go in there. Like I'm running through the fence. Like coming out of the bullpen, I'm not afraid of anybody, whether I am or not. You won't know it. You know, That's like right. it's just kind of that mentality of having. But to be on like that so much has got to be just such so mentally draining but like you said you had to depend on god you had to depend on something else to empower you in that situation because there's no way in your humanness that you can actually do that yeah brother between god my faith and just an amazing family support system i mean the amount of times my mom told me my mom's a pastor bro she's she's uh she's been the rock of our family uh. forever and the amount of times she told me i could get choked up thinking about it i've never been more proud of you i'm like what? yeah like I'm yeah. sitting in here. She's like, I've never been more proud of you. And you know, as parents, and I know you probably go through this with your parents, when you were playing, they, they get the question every day. How's Jeremy? Yeah. How's Brandon? Because you're doing something yeah. that everybody thinks is cool. Well, now this comes out and they're only human to be like, oh God, don't ask us, <laughs> you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. they just stood yeah. at the front line and said, he's doing great. You know, he made a mistake. He's doing great. We love him. Never been more proud of him. And, and that kind of stuff. You're like, a lot of those guys in there, man, they don't have that. Yeah, that's where you hurt. That's where you're like, I want to be a positive influence. This guy, cause he's never going to know that kind of family support. Not all, but some, yeah. you know, and you needed that. I'm assuming you needed that herd mentality. You needed that group around you 
was there a group that was like, man, we got that you could tr- totally trust, you know, in there? Or was it like you're trusting God that you can trust these people because I they could turn on you at any moment? Yeah, you keep them at arm's length, so to speak. Um, I let guys in, especially anyone that would stop by the bunk and just want to, like, you know, catch some positive conversation or like kind of, you know, something different than what's going on out there. Um, if you come over and you're just talking about the same old stuff, it's like, man, I'm not really interested in any of that. You know, if you want to yeah. talk about something different, you know, faith or positive or whatever, I'm good. But so I think eventually you let guys in enough. Um, but I don't think you ever really fully go, you know what, man, I trust you like I would anybody else, my family, anyone on the outside, because you just don't know I'm a, who, like you said, yeah. who's going to turn or when stuff goes down, what's going to happen. Um, I had a, a situation where I was, like I said, uh, I like to work out and that was my mental health. And I was training guys because they just didn't know, man, like. You had to get creative every now yeah. and then if you're on the road and you had to figure out a workout in the dugout or something. But yeah, um, so we'd do little things and and there was it didn't matter white, black, Mexican. I didn't care, man. And there was a time where um, it happened to be a bunch of white guys. It just that was the situation for about a week. And we'd be back in the corner of the building and I'm running them through different variations of core cardio, whatever. And the lieutenant had me sent to her office. Guard came in, said puffer. I said, yeah, the lieutenant wants to see you. I'm like, huh? <laughs> the guys are like, wait, what? Yeah. These guys are all gang members, but I'm like, nah, I'm on my own. She brought yeah. me in there, and I think I wrote it in the book. She's like, I just want you to know I have a good authority that you're the shot caller for the whites on this unit. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, no, you got whoa. the wrong guy. Like, I'm I'm on my bunk. I'm reading my word. I'm Trust me, you got the wrong guy. Yeah. Like, okay, well, everyone would say that, but I just want you to know I know. So I'm okay. So I go back, and the guy's like, what the heck was that? And I told him. And because I was such a squeaky clean inmate, they were just laughing. Yeah. They thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but we'd be out at the weight stack the next day, and I'm doing my set, and they would all turn around with their arms crossed like they're guarding me. Like, now, like, guys, you're not making this any better by pretending like I'm yeah. the shot caller. Yeah. So, like, little things like that where you could find a little humor, and you could be like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I'm the shot caller here. Um, you know, yeah. that, that stuff certainly happened. And you'd get away and go to a church service, and you felt like most of it was pretty authentic. and trust these guys but then some guys are just there to pass gang notes and that kind of thing and so you're just always yeah, on right your guard's always up you're always kind of like man i just want to let my guard down a little bit and you're like nah can't do it so um yeah, yeah i never got fully comfortable with it but there were some guys that you could absolutely tell were great humans that i got a lot of positivity from great conversation you know a couple guys we'd get the crossword in and you know i had my go-to guys that were pretty good at it and, you know remember baseball is part of the routine man i'm like yeah you know, thinking yeah dude, I need some help. And there's some dudes that can rattle that off. And so again, just back to the stereotype of an inmate, it applies in many cases, but in many cases you're like, wow, man, I hope these guys get it together and get an opportunity at life again. Cause they really do have value. Yeah. Because now when you get out, you got out and what yeah. was it like? What was that transition like? Man, it was, uh, exciting but nerve-wracking very tough i was way behind on technology which made for some funny stories actually but i was just way behind on everything man and the world just keeps going that's what i realized in there jeremy like the world just keeps on going and like brandon plover you stepped out for four years guess what we got to keep rolling and we think we're a big deal right and it's like at the end of the day you know what it just keeps going and so when i got back out i kind of my biggest, um, I guess, takeaway was just starting back over humbly, like not coming back out and going, hey, I'm back. Who wants, you know, major league team ready for me? Like, what do we got? It was like, no, you you kind of lost a lot of trust and you made some bad choices. And now 
just got to get back on your feet. So what I actually did was, uh, again, man, Reed Ryan, that family was just, I've lived in Round Rock a long time and they just have yeah. always been so good to me, man. And, and him and Reese wrote me while I was gone. They just said, Hey, look us up and you come out with, we'll help how we can. And I showed up at the yard, the Dell diamond, I'm sure you pitched there. And I just yeah, said, yeah. Hey guys, I'm here. Like, what do you need? I said, man, I got a parole plan. Part of it is I need a job. Okay. Well, we got something for you. And I said, okay, cool. What are we going to do? And the first job I got when I got out, I was a maintenance guy at the Dell diamond. So the team's out there doing their thing and I'm painting or staining or cleaning bathrooms. And, and, uh, you know, yeah. it was just, again, I was happy, man. I had joy. I'm like, this is funny guy. Like, yeah, I'm not used to this work, but I'm at a ballpark. This is freaking cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, they'd come check on me and, you know, things would start picking up and man, eventually, because I was, you know, humble enough to take a job that maybe some would say like, that might be beneath you, man. You were a double A all-star out there. It's like, nah, dude. I got a job. I'm at a ballpark. It's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. they yeah. actually promoted me to like a baseball outreach coordinator. So up in the office where I ran camps and stuff. And then all that kind of led into a couple pitching lessons and next thing. And, and I'll be honest with you, Jerry, to back up people showing faith in me like that was a big deal for yeah. me, man. Cause I was like, yeah. no one's yeah. going to want me to work with their kid. No, you know? And, um, the first couple lessons, you know, someone's like, Hey, they want to know if you want to do a pitching lesson. I'm like, Are you me? Sure. Like I, I like them. Yeah. I used to be good at them. I don't know. And, and, and they got good reviews and it really just pumped me back up. Like, okay, cool. One foot in front of the other, yeah. you can get back in this thing. And so to, to know that yeah. God had all that plan. I mean, I thought baseball was just done for me, man. I'll go get a job and do whatever. And, um, and all that yeah. led to what I do now. I, I have a youth in high school, a nonprofit program, uh, guys like, I don't know if you remember some names like Brian Gordon, Ryan Langerhands, uh, yeah. Ludwig, all, right. yeah, yeah. all these guys, their kids are in our program. And I, I get to oversee a program and coach kids and mentor them. And it's just like, dude, I had sitting in that cell. I'm like, God, I don't know what you have. Probably not baseball, but whatever. I'm going to do my best. And and he yeah. just slowly goes, yeah, man, I got you back on this path. It's going to take a little longer. And so I'm in it, man. Like when we're done here, I'll be doing pitching lessons tonight. We've got ball. I mean, I'm in baseball every day. What's your program do? Yeah, so we are – for lack of a better term, man, we're like a travel ball, select ball program. You know, you guys have them. Yep. You're not too far from us. So, um, yeah, we're up here in uh, Georgetown, Round Rock, and we have from 8U through college. And just, man, my passion, honestly, Jeremy, and, and I just got – I kind of backed into this. I started some teams because I love to coach. And then I realized the families really need mentors when it comes to the process of recruiting and finding a school. Yep. And just oh, – it's just different, man. Like the – you really have to – beat down some doors. So having a good network in baseball has really been helpful with certain teammates that are yeah. college coaches or whatever scouts. And so yeah. I coach the 17s in the summer and the 18s in the fall. And my whole passion and, and, and thing is just trying to find their next step. So we've been really fortunate to have yeah. a bunch of kids go on and play. That's all their work. They did it, but just being able to help them is cool. And then the youth side, uh, Langerhans is our youth coordinator, along with a guy named Matt Hartgrove. Oh. They're just kind of building up and and kind of pouring into kiddos, man, and, and kind of just yeah. our farm system, if you will. And, um, yeah, we just really take the opportunity to try to just, you know, yes, make them better ballplayers, but also just better young men. Yeah, do you do, like, leadership stuff while you're in there and just take them through programs like that? Is that part of the is that part of the league that you're – or the teams that you're developing? You run with them we like do, that? We do. We probably need to be more intentional on how we do it. Um, I have a guy that helps us out with um, – you know, just service opportunities, service projects, you know, going to feed, you know, different things that just, got, hey, let's be useful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's kind of give of yeah. ourselves. We have this program. I've always wanted it to be more intentional. Like we have it all planned out and, 
and there's people running through mentor stuff. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to just that coach to player interaction. I mean, you're nothing without good coaching in this, in this, in what we're doing. I mean, without our yeah. coaches, man, we're just nothing. You can wear whatever on your chest. It doesn't matter. But if the coaches are really solid men and they have a little bit of baseball acumen and they get a little bit of that credibility and then they care about the young man off the field, that's why our program's grown. I mean, way beyond me or, or Gordo who started with me, just great men that are coaches and, and do a really good job. Yeah. So within that, they're mentoring all the time. Yeah, no, that's great, man. So if you had a chance to talk to these young men, if you ever said, man, I'm sure you've done it, but hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three tidbits in a nutshell. It might be a tough question to put you on the spot on, but if you yeah. could say, look, if I look back on my life and I went from professional athlete to being in prison for a while and getting out of it, and the way I kind of look at it is you're not, which I really appreciate because you didn't allow shame to affect you. Shame affects, would affect a lot of people in this situation. Yeah. But it looks like unashamedly, guys, I made a mistake, costed me. Here's what I learned, and yeah. here's what I want you guys to know and learn from me that's going to make you take these things in life. You take these three things in yeah. your thought process, whether you play baseball or you move on to a job or you have a family, whatever it is, what would those be? Yeah, that's good, man. Um. So I do get this opportunity quite a bit. And, and to be honest with you, Jeremy, I, guilt and shame, brother, that kicked my butt for a long time. I still have to battle it every day, right? I'm sure. But it is, it is giving it away that really helps me going, look, the enemy wants me to just bottle this up. Actually, I had my agent at the time when I was playing said, man, you just need to decide, let's just bury it. We'll pay to get it like off the internet. And I was like, dude, that's not, no, I can't do that, man. <laughs> like this is part of my yeah. story. So to your three things. Yeah. The three that come to mind are first off, man, I love this one. It's it's be careful how you treat people on the way up because they're the same people you see on your way down, right? I like so if, if you're coming out there and you're a pro ball player and you're a big deal and and you're not treating the clubbies right and the people working at the stadium, you're not intentional about saying hello to the maintenance people, which I ended up being, that kind of yeah. stuff. Then when stuff goes wrong, I don't know if everybody's going to raise their hand and go, hey, yeah, we'll come to your trial. Hey, we got your back. Because you, you weren't really a very nice person when you had things going on. So, uh, yeah. And that kind of leads in to the second one. Uh, one of my favorite books is Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And, and the very yeah. first line says, it's not about you. And mm. it's just like, man, it, it's just not. Like as much as we want to make it about us. And, and like I said, you and I got to pitch and we're a big deal. And we're the center of the attention. It's all about us. Like it's really not. <laughs> because at the end of the day, like I said, yeah. Man, yeah, yeah. you could disappear. And guys, your family's going to miss you and everyone's sad, but the world's going to just keep moving, man. We're here for just a little brief kind of spec. Like, how can we get outside of ourselves, be useful, be helpful? And, and selfishly, for me, I have found that that actually helps me and my anxiety and my, you know, I guess, depression occasionally. But just my mental health, honestly, is when I'm giving it away and, and being helpful to others, I'm more hopeful. So, and then the third one, man, super important. I have an example is for us, it's trust the Holy Spirit. Trust that still small voice. If you're not a believer, just trust your gut, man, because if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. And I'll tell you, Jeremy, when I was driving to the, the yard that day in Frisco, the day we went out, I decided in my mind, I gave myself permission to, to your point earlier, I'm going to go out tonight. And immediately yeah. the gut feeling, the thought, I mean, again, the Holy Spirit was like, not a good idea. In fact, you should go into the staff when you get there and tell them you've got problems. Like you're going down a rough road. 
And I'm like, no way, man, that's selfish. We're in the championship. I'm the leader of the team. No way I'm going to put the attention on me. Well, you know what? If I would have drove in that day and just said, hey, guys, I've been struggling, man. I've been going out. I've been making bad choices. They would have wrapped their arms around me and said, let's get you some help. And let's, you know what I mean? I I mean, it's just whatever the case would have been, it would have been much better off than making that choice. So, yeah, man, listen to that that still small voice. If you're battling, you're on the fence, don't do it. (laughs) It's telling you not to do it. And you're not going to avoid the consequences of it. I thought I would too, man. I never thought it would happen to me. Yeah, I think that's what I get from what you've said today, man. That mask. When people wear a mask, they can't love that person. They love yeah. some. They, they can help and they can love someone that is not the real person. And if we yeah. keep wearing that mask, you're never going to get the the help you want because they don't know what they're helping. And right. the ability to take it off, be vulnerable and transparent, like you said, and be like, hey, man, I need some help or I'm going to make some tough decisions and they're not going to be good. And we know a lot of guys that made bad decisions there's no consequence for them. They didn't actually make the decision or they made one, but it wasn't the same one. And then, yeah. and you feel like, man, yeah, congratulations, man. You got off a hook on that one, but your life's going to suck. This decision yeah. almost, God almost saved you saying, no, I'm going to let you hang yourself on this decision because I'm going to make you who you need to be because I love you that much. Oh, but you could have gotten rid of all of that. If in, in that time you just said, I'm going to be transparent, vulnerable for who I am. And if I'm struggling, I'm going to tell someone because I need to be loved for who I am. And this is who I am. And taking that mask off is the best thing that you can possibly do, which most ball players can't do. Almost every ball player that I've ever met wears a mask at some point in their, in their life because the game is built to kind of force them to do that because they don't know how to be mentally tough any other way. It hasn't been taught exactly. yet. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been taught. So I can appreciate your story, man. I really do. I, I, I'm so thankful that I got to talk with you and I'm so thankful that you are where you are, man. And I think that it's awesome that you're remarried. I think it's super important that you're able to love a woman the way you can and, uh, and love your daughters, man. And I'm sure you've learned a lot through the process, but man, what a gift you're probably able to give them, to be honest with you. So, uh, uh, man, that is awesome. And tell those boys, uh, hi for me, Ludwig. I just remember him taking me deep in Midland all the time when the wind was blowing out at 900 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, we didn't have a chance in Midland. Him and Jacques Laundry and those guys, and the you wind's 50 the, mile an hour out. We talk yeah. about it all the time. I'm like, dude, you guys were loaded with right-handed power, and the wind was 50 miles an hour out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and they couldn't swing until you threw a strike, and then you got all scared, and then you couldn't throw a strike, and then did. It was <laughs> nuke war out there. I always wanted to pull a hammy whenever I had to go pitch against those yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah, the only fun part was the bullpen. No one could see the bullpen, so we just light fires or or throw baseballs over at that little right. uh, the, the golf hole right behind the wall. That's like, right. That was That's fun. Right. But then they call your name. You're like, oh man, I got to get in here and pitch these guys. <laughs> yeah, and you see the flag rip off straight up in the air, and you're like, yeah, no, uh-huh. this is gonna be bad. No, yeah, man, I I, I remember those guys well, man. Uh, yeah, I'll tell uh, those guys hello. I see them all me. the time, man. That's great, man. Well, you wrote a book from the bullpen to the state pen. Man, pick it up if you're listening. I think it's a great story, and he's got a lot of good insight in there. Uh, so I appreciate you, Brandon, coming on with me, man. I really do. This has been a great conversation. It's been, it's been very intriguing. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Uh, I appreciate you. Hey, my pleasure, brother. Thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to share my story. You've been dialed into the Built for the Storm podcast with Jeremy Affell. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. If you like what you heard, 
Please like, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Jeremy Athel here for Free Roam Brewing Company. Do you enjoy craft beer? I do. So I started Free Roam Brewing Company. Our logo, environment, and community all reflect the mighty buffalo, a creature built for the storm. It symbolizes inner strength, perseverance, and a love of freedom. Here at Free Roam Brewing Company, we are determined to strengthen our community through the love of craft beer. Our premium quality lagers and ales reflect the diverse experiences and tastes of our community. In a boundless world of potential beer styles, we cherish the freedom to roam. So if you're in the Bernie area, whether local or passing through, join us on Main Street and enjoy your freedom. Jeremy Affel here for the Hotel Via. I know you've heard it's at the intersection of sports, technology, and entertainment. But for me, it's my home away from home when I visit San Francisco. I can give you 50 great reasons why I chose Hotel Via, but it's easier for me to say it provides all the comforts of home, family-owned and operated, and of course, it's across from the beautiful Oracle Park. So when you're coming to San Francisco for business, pleasure, vacation, or just coming to a sporting event, check in to the Hotel Via.